Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're welcoming you to another episode of Kyo Cinema. This week we are covering movie number four of Dragon Ball Z, uh, Lord Slug. I should know better. It's four or five. It's one of those two. Yeah, Lord Slug. What a movie. But before we get into Lord Slug, why don't we talk about the new Dragon Ball movie coming out? Uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero? Yeah, it's a clunky name. Dragon Ball Super Colon Superhero. I wish that they would just shorten that and just be DBS Hero. Yeah, or yeah, I don't know. I don't know what I would do with that title besides not that. Um, (laughs) Because that title just does not sound good at all. It does not flow from the tongue. It sounds clunky and repetitive because it is. I almost wonder if there are going to be like a buttload of people out there looking for information on the movie and accidentally find Dragon Ball heroes and get stuck on this like other thing that's not legit, you know? Maybe that was the ploy all along. Maybe. Or maybe to supersede heroes so that way people didn't find that, you know? To what? Yeah, like to supersede. Is that the word I want to use? Supersede. Yeah, to come after heroes, like to replace it, basically. So (laughs) if they're Googling for like Dragon Ball superheroes, they're going to find this movie. Not not the I don't want to call it fanfic, but I I mean, it kind of seems like it's fanfic-y. Yeah. Is that a term fanfic-y? Yeah, it is now because Adam has made it so. Um, (laughs) I thought that you were talking about some weird plant video game that I wasn't aware of that was called Super Space Seed. Oh, that's the Uh, game that Lord Slug plays. Uh, yeah, I mean, fair enough, I guess. Or uh, he, actually, he got that would have been. Yeah, yeah, that would have been what Turles played. <laughs> there you go. You got there. You got there. But yeah, they they've they released a second trailer for Dragon Ball Super colon Superhero, um, and it's it is hype. It's the hypest Dragon Ball yeah. thing that I've seen since Broly for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm stoked for it. And what's really cool is the I think it's the director of the movie said that he's hoping to bring more than just that movie to the audiences in 2022. A lot of folks are thinking that that means that they're bringing back Super, which would be awesome because like the most recent chapters are so good. I'm finally caught up and it's they're amazing. It's Morrow next, right? That yeah, Morrow would be, Mar- right Mar- would be next. Yep, Morrow and then Granola. Okay. Yeah, the granola stuff is it's still not reached its conclusion right now no, if you're it's not. if you're keeping up or not, I guess I'm going to tell you either way. Um right now, um they are fighting against a group called the Heaters. Um yeah. and Vegeta's reached th- this freaking cool looking if I do say so myself new transformation called uh Ultra Ego as uh, opposed to Goku's Ultra Instinct. It's all very very cool. It is. It's really, really neat. And as we mentioned in our last episode, Bardock makes a bit of a return, so hype yes. on that. That would uh, be but let's awesome. Dive back into a superhero. So <laughs> Gohan, I, man, I gotta say, like, when I watched that trailer, seeing him back in Piccolo's uh, training yes. outfit, I was like, yes, this is with, what I need. With the crazy '80s lady shoulder pads. That's the thing yeah. that makes it the that really because he's all he's run around in like the purple gi with the red belt multiple times. Like that's. That's whatever, but he shows up on the scene with that weighted, like shoulder pad and white cape garb that he had. I don't. He hasn't worn since right before the cell games. I said, like right before he entered the cell game, right? Well, I mean, we say that, but I'm pretty sure Gohan puts it on. He just <laughs> looks in the mirror and is like, "I remember the days." <laughs> I mean, it's his best costume of all time. It really is. He, he looks went awesome. from that to the Saiyan great Saiyan man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which God, I mean, talk geez. about a step down. Yeah, no joke. But yeah, in that trailer, the cool, I mean, not only is, I mean, he shows up on the scene, he's got his piccolo garbs, he still has his nerd glasses on, which I think is really cool. But I also think that that's really intentional because people have given Gohan a bunch of crap over the last, or, you know, the people who are in charge of writing Gohan and designing him a lot of crap over the last several years for him looking like this, like, tracksuit wearing nerd. 
who isn't as effective as he probably could have been and should have been. And I think that there's a moment in the new trailer where Go Gohan is powering up and he takes his glasses off and kind of discards them off to the side. And literarily, like I was watching that and I was like, that is the directors and the animators being like, fine, he'll take the glasses off and be awesome again. <laughs> like that's what yeah. how I interpreted that scene. Yeah, I could totally see it. I mean, I think they're uh, they're getting us prepped for a pretty awesome movie. And the title itself is superhero singular. You know, Go- Goku, Vegeta, even Broly are visible in the uh, in the trailer. Um, but I, I, I'm figure, I'm guessing that they're not gonna win the day. Like it, it's at least that's not what we're being led to believe. I read somewhere online that it leaked. I think that they had a massive change to Gohan last minute in this movie. So I'm interested to see what that could lead to. Uh, but, you know, if I'm being honest with you, and I don't think I've said this on any of our shows yet, but I know I've told you this personally, I think it would be great if Vegeta and Goku go off and do their own thing for a little while. Like, we don't really need them to be the uh, anchors for this show anymore. It could become the show of the people back on Earth. Like, let's follow Gohan for a little bit, and maybe Piccolo, and Tien, and Yamcha. Like, bring in back all the Z Fighters. I mean... I think it was uh, not Battle of the Gods, but Resurrection F, where they kind of made all of them relevant again. And yes. that was probably my favorite part of that movie. So I would be totally cool with a Chibi show or even a manga that's just that. Like, Goku and Vegeta have ascended. They're gods now. Let them go be in another universe where they're not available for whatever reason. And we get panels of them. They can still be in it, but they don't have to be the saviors all the time. Like, let's let Gohan shine a little bit. And maybe even Goten. I mean, Goten and Trunks, what a duo. How cool would it be to see them back in action? Yeah, and I know that Trunks is confirmed to be in the movie. Presumably, he would be teenage-ish. Um, yeah, that makes sense. In this particular timeline. So I, Because I think they showed Pan, who was like three, I think, yeah, in this three movie. Or three four. or four. Looked like she's being trained by Piccolo, too, which, you know, that'll be cool as well. And who knows mm-hmm. what she'll end up doing in this movie. I, you know, I don't think that she's going to be, like, stepping up to the two red red ribbon army robots are at least not effectively so but who knows even i could be wrong about that who knows maybe she's the newest youngest super saiyan i think in gt canon she can't go saiyan because she doesn't have enough saiyan blood in her i don't know if they're gonna fix that or change that but that would be interesting it would be i mean she's she was definitely featured prominently in in both of the trailers that i've seen but certainly not with you know blonde hair so no not yet not yet well, enough about uh, Dragon Ball Super Superhero. How about we talk about Lord Slug? I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's about how I feel like. I mean, I feel like we could sum this one up in a couple of sentences and, you know, we'd be all happy about it. I, I don't know too many folks that are just uh, chomping at the bit to discuss Lord Slug, but it, it's not a horrible movie. It's just not very innovative and kind of the same thing we've seen for the last two movies. Yeah, so Lord Slug released in Japan on March 9th, 1999, or 1991, excuse me. Um, and during that year, it was actually the highest, the 11th highest grossing movie in Japan, 1991. Yeah, isn't that nuts? It made something like 16 million US dollars, but I think it was like 2.2 billion yen, I think. Yeah, um, I was talking with, I think it was Tomac in the Discord, that if, if we... Uh, named our Kyo Cinema episode similarly to the way that we did the AMP that I would title this one the nonagenarian Namekian. Yeah. <laughs> Even though That's I don't funny. think 90s very old for Namics, especially not super uh, Namekians still. True. Um, True. And I also thought it was interesting that we go from kind of dark Goku in Tree of Might to now kind of a dark Piccolo in uh lord slug well and lord slug re- reminds me so much and not even reminds me is like literally a parallel of king piccolo from dragon ball so much about yeah. them is very very similar I, I mean 
they do very similar things. In fact, the way Goku takes out uh, Lord Slug by like ramming his head through him, you know, like he does that. There's a name for it. I can't think of what it's called, but busting through him. That's exactly what he does to King Piccolo. So very, very similar things there. Um, it's it's definitely uh, parallel. You can tell. Where do you place this on the timeline? Well, for the timeline, so according to Daizenshu 6, this movie is supposed to take place after Goku's arrival on Namek, uh, but it's before the final showdown with Frieza uh, and before he turns into Super Saiyan. In fact, the manga chapter where he does turn into Super Saiyan came out at the end of the same month this movie released. So I don't know that they even knew what Super Saiyan looked like, which is why we get the kind of, I believe it's referred to as false Super Saiyan online. It's yeah, more it's called of a, like, like three different things. False Super Saiyan, pseudo Super Saiyan. It's right. Weird. Yeah, it is kind of weird. So, you know, I like to try to fit these movies into some kind of like canon that I've almost made up for myself, you know, where the movies are all connected somehow. And right. so in my mind, I like to think that this movie, the way things played out, I mean, Namek is mentioned. And I think even though Akira Toriyama had a role in designing Lord Slug and apparently added his like head gear to keep him from looking Namekian. He still looks like a Namekian right off the bat. Like, you know what this guy is. Um, I like to think that this movie is different from the show in the sense that when Gokhan and Krillin and Bulma went to Namek to get the Dragon Balls to wish Piccolo back to life, they just got them. Like there was no issues with the Frieza army. Like maybe Frieza wasn't on the planet for some reason. So they got the Dragon Balls, they made their wishes and they left. Like, there was no altercation that we would have normally seen, which hmm. is why they didn't have a Super Saiyan, and they don't know who Frieza is. And, I mean, it makes sense that King Kai still knows who Frieza is, because he's like this evil overlord of the world, that or the galaxy, that King Kai kind of, you know, rules over. So it makes evil. sense, but... Well, oh, Frieza's oh. evil. You're yeah. talking about... I thought you were talking about King Kai. No, I, <laughs> I was mean, like, what? He doesn't King have Kai... scars or smoke? No, neither. You're right. King Kai's <laughs> definitely not evil. But, okay. but I mean, I, I do think that it makes sense in this that maybe they just didn't have the altercations on Namek that they did in the show. Yeah, I'll allow it. I, I mean, at minimum, in, in your timeline, it has to take place about a year after Tree of Might because they used the Dragon Balls at the beginning of Tree of Might. Mm -hmm. They used the Dragon Balls at the beginning of this movie. So at least a year has passed. In fact, um, we open up the movie on Piccolo meditating or training or possibly both in front of... Uh, like floating in front of a waterfall. And that's exactly where we left him yeah. at the end of Tree of Might. <laughs> like totally. literally that was the last scene in that movie was Piccolo floating in front of a waterfall. So it kind of pleases me to think that he's just been floating there thinking to himself for a year. <laughs> There's even some like Tree of Might scenes in flashbacks of Bulma and Gohan and Krillin, everybody restoring the forest. So it's like definitely I, in my mind, it's canon that Tree of Might happened in this movie. Like those events did take place. So, but Gohan doesn't look like he's aged at all. And that's, that's one true. of my biggest frustrations is that like it's very, at least age him a little bit. You know, we, we see in the show Gohan having kind of two different stages there uh, in between Namek and the Cell Saga and the Android Saga. But give us something in between. Like just work a little bit harder there, guys. Yeah, that's true. And speaking of Gohan, he promptly interrupts Piccolo's meditation uh, to show his newly choreographed song and dance with Icarus. And this song and dance that includes a bunch of whistling goes on for 80 seconds it's and includes time. some Gohan twerking as well, which I thought was a choice. He's also in a fun little outfit, too. It's not like one of his training outfits. It's like a get up that he wears when he's with Icarus, it seems like. Yeah, it's this 
Yeah, yeah. Isn't it? Is he? Is he not in his yellow gi at the very beginning? I can't remember. I didn't the little... think he was. Maybe he is in the yellow gi though. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember either. But yeah, he just is flying around. Piccolo's trying to pay him no mind, but it apparently is like hurting him. So he's he's screaming in pain, and I just have that. Uh, you know what's happening is this terrible cringing pain. Uh, is my reaction to every musical and or dance number as well, Piccolo. So I totally jive <laughs> with him. Like when that stuff happens in movies or, you know, people are, break out into, you know, Frozen's, whatever that theme song is. That And I'm just like, I'm I'm Piccolo. I am I am Piccolo. You just got to let it go, Adkins. No, I can't. Oh, Jesus, you did it, didn't you? <laughs> I couldn't even remember the name of that song. But as soon as you said it, I knew that you said it that way because you knew the title of that song. Yes. Well, you know what cracks me up about this, though, is Piccolo is like, Gohan, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me in my entire freaking life. Never do it again. <laughs> I mean, he's so angry about it. I can't believe that in all of the years that Piccolo has been around, he's never heard somebody whistle before. Right. It's just I mean, for this movie that they make his his uh, hearing super weird. Now, to be fair, in the show, he's canonically been like, I can hear real good. Like when oh, Trunks yeah. tells Goku from like a long distance away that he's uh, Vegeta's son, Piccolo hears all that. But yeah, the the whole whistling thing. And I would have, I don't know if I would have liked this scene more or less without the whistling thing coming back up later in the movie, which we'll talk oh, about yeah. at the time. I'm still on the fence about that. It's one of the biggest Chekhov's guns ever, like right off the bat and then used at the very end. It's, eh, yeah. we'll get to it. Yep. So Piccolo and Gohan both like recognize that something's headed their way. And then we transition over to Dr. Briefs, who is observing this massive planet just hurling on down this way towards Earth. And Bulma's like, what are we going to do? And, you know, Dr. Briefs just says, well, it's going to hit us or it's going to blow us up. Like there's nothing we can do. And Oolong is like, well, why don't we just blow it up? And then Dr. Briefs informs everyone, well, it's inhabited. So, of course, we can't blow it up. And and then, like, they transition to Earth just exploding. And it's actually yeah. a TV show host just showing a simulation. And he's like, well, I don't know about you, but I don't like it when the Earth explodes. So I'm leaving. Which means no sense. No one else has made it off the planet. Yeah. It's not like he has anywhere to go. I have later on in my notes, I said, people are trying to flee for reasons. Like, right. the whole Earth is about to get... <laughs> you know meteored into oblivion and people are running away but to where right <laughs> like and krillin's watching sense. all the chaos on tv like the news is reporting all of this and of course he just wanted to watch the sports he's upset though because you know he's not had a girlfriend yet and the world's ending yeah and he he looks over and sees roshi sleeping with a nudie mag on his face which is just absolutely brazen who does that but even funnier than that is that the front of the magazine has a Japanese word that's been transliter- transliterated, I think, into English lettering um, that says sukebe, S-U-K-E-B-E. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that. But I looked up that word, and it just means pervert in Japanese. And then <laughs> <That's perfect. laughs> it also has 5,000 yen on the front of that cover. That equals 43 U.S. dollars. So he spent 43 bucks on that nudie mag. That seems <laughs> wild to me. Maybe it's like the uh, like end of year special edition. I, I feel like that's a thing, right? Must be, golly. <laughs> Man, that's crazy. So yeah, people are trying to flee for reasons. And I did make this note too, that there are no anthropomorphic animals fleeing in this crowd. And like, we know that that's totally a thing. Like, I'm pretty sure that the president of the earth is a dog in Dragon Ball world. So I was really disappointed to not just see like, man animals running running around don't see a single one they all dug a hole in the ground they're like underneath the ground and they're becoming underground people right now i feel like that's racist (laughs) 
Is that? I don't <laughs> like. Yeah, you saying is, that totally... about animal people? Yeah, I feel like that's racist. I definitely don't mean that to be racist. <laughs> Maybe cut that if that's racist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we're not talking about real people, but yeah, dude, calm down. Um, uh, Goku and Krillin plan to use a Kamehameha to change the giant planet's course um and krillin is just like oolong he's like it'd be a lot easier to blow this thing up and goku says but put yourself in their shoes and my notes just say so you know you can blow this thing up but you're gonna take a gamble that you can just move it a little bit instead that seems wildly irresponsible i don't know what in the world they're thinking here there's a planet about to literally hit yours and it does, you don't, I don't think he knows he can blow it up. And I don't think he knows that he can move the trajectory of it either. So like both planets are going to die, man. Yeah, this is, that's, that's what, exactly why I think they should have just been like, we need to do everything that we can, not just give it a tap. We don't need yeah. to boop this thing. We need to blow it the hell up. That's what they should have done. Absolutely. Well, their, their keep LS bounce off the planet and they both get like sucked into its gravity or something. I don't really know what happens, but it. It completely misses the the world, and then like Lord Slug's ship is just there, so I don't yeah. know if it was on the planet and it dropped, and he was just using the planet as like a harbinger because it. They've mentioned that they take planets and basically turn them into other spaceships, or sometimes just freeze them and kind of do the Saiyan thing, like they freeze them for minions. But I don't think they're selling things. And the thing about Lord Slug is like he's just evil. Like he has no reason to be here. He's not coming to Earth because of Goku or anyone else. It's just the next planet on his trip. My understanding was that they they terra freeze is the English term in the uh, in the in the dub, but they basically commandeer planets and turn the giant planets into ships. Mm -hmm. But there's no explanation as to why he ditched his former ship to take over Earth as his new one. There's no reason given for that whatsoever. Right. He's just doing it and a lot of the things i found online are from games where lord slug is like more relevant and he mentions that he was born of darkness and like he's just pure evil so he just does evil things to be evil because he's never had a just thought i think was a quote from like xenoverse 2 uh but i mean come on like this is just turtles made over well in the in the japanese um subtitles king kai explains that Lord Slug is 100% evil. That is a direct quote. Gotcha. Like yeah. his, King Kai's explanation of Lord Slug in the Japanese is vastly different from the explanation that we get in the English dub. And we'll talk about that when we get right. there. But because the two, uh, two of Earth's quote unquote saviors didn't blow up this giant planet, even though it doesn't strike the planet, it still like causes an insane amount of damage. It even like, uh, like, draws forth natural disasters like volcanoes exploding the death toll is high and it's all because they didn't do the right thing absolutely um, but it it does kind of change its own course question mark blows up and if anything remotely the close to the size of a planet blew up that close to earth i'm pretty sure it would take the earth out with it but that's neither here nor there um bulma chi chi oolong gohan and icarus all admire a bit of the falling sp uh, space debris before noticing that a giant alien building had also appeared in the city yeah, just out of nowhere, there's this alien ship in the middle of the city, and like an army walks out, and they claim that they're here to take the planet for Lord Slug, and they're going to exterminate anybody who resists, and there are literally people in the crowd that laugh at them. I'm like, yeah, they what? landed in Texas. That's what I have <laughs> in my notes. No sense. <laughs> yeah, they, they, these people are just like, forget you, man, Lord Slug, man. Yeah, that, yeah, right. And I'm just like, they're in Texas. They're in America, and they've landed in Texas because Texas would be like, the hell you are about to take this planet. That's exactly yeah. how they would react. That's, <laughs> That's so true. It's so funny because they're like, slugs, slugs are gross. Get out of here. 
inside slugs building or spaceship. Um, and I thought that this is kind of interesting. We'll cover this stuff here while I'm thinking about it. So native Namekians are named after di- like different Japanese words for snail. That's mm-hmm. why we, we get Lord Slug. Um, and Namek itself, the planet's name is taken from the word Namekuji, which is uh, Japanese for just slug. I did not know that. Um, I didn't know that either. Lord Slug is voiced by Bryce Armstrong, who sounds like Captain Ginyu. And after I learned that, it was all I could hear. Oh, wow. Now that you say that, I actually kind of hear that too. The one thing that I thought was interesting about uh, him voicing Lord Slug is when Funimation redid this movie, they actually just reused his stuff. They didn't get a whole new voice actor like they did in several other movies. Yeah, but Slug sounds exactly like Captain Ginyu. He does. Like there's very little difference between the two. No, you're totally right. Um, well, in his ship, someone wants to know what the holdup is, and that someone is his Captain Zeon, I think is his name? Commander Zeon. Commander Zeon, so it's not a captain, but uh, he, he's like, hey, what's going on here? What's taking so long? Lord Slug doesn't have time to wait on this, and Lord Slug just kills him. Like, don't call me old. <laughs> yeah, he's, he says, awesome. how dare I remind you of your mortality, Master, and then he just gets blasted. I would like to point this out in this movie. Correct me if I'm wrong. Outside of Lord Slug, Every minion and all of his lieutenants, who I affectionately uh, affectionately named the Horny Boys because literally all of them have two horns, um, all of them die in one hit. Every single last one of them. Hmm. We'll, we'll check me as we right. go through this movie, but I'm pretty sure that that's correct. This yeah. guy dropped in one hit from Lord Slug. Everybody else KO'd in one hit from anybody from freaking Chi-Chi all the way up to Goku. It's and insane. Them- all of them. Several of them actually die by Lord Slug's hands, whether on purpose yeah. or accidentally. So, because yep. right after this scene, the the there's another character named Yosha who says that it's going to take about ten days to terra freeze this planet, and Lord Slug just kills him, like doesn't give him any chance. And he turns over to uh, another alien that looks just like Yosha. I couldn't tell if they were brothers or uh, just probably just similar of the same species. race. Yeah, yeah, but he says, uh, you know, hey, how long is it actually going to take? And and this guy's like, well. Oh, man, I don't know. How about three days? Maybe. (laughs) It's great. He says, if I said three days, would I live? And I just have in my notes, only if you're not then proven a liar. Like, if you know it's going to take 10 days and you tell them three, you're also going to end up dead. Right. Day day three, you're dead. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but this appears to make Lord Slug happy, and he returns back to his bowl of, like, medicine capsules, because... Pills? For, yeah. We've never seen Namekians eat. That's not a thing. And then in this movie, that he's, like, chowing down on some Tylenol. Yeah, it happens sometimes. Like, Piccolo is eating things. Um, but I think that the, the Namekian race only needs... Only really needs water to survive. It's They're not... They're not photosynthetic, they it's just they just need water basically but he i think that they can eat solid food and i i assumed that he was taking these pills because you know they're a neutrogena product or some such you know like (laughs) promising to you know keep him youthful even in his older years or possibly it's like a centrum silver multivitamin that he's just overindulging in something like that just pills of cocaine (laughs) <laughs> yeah why not go out with a bang sure <laughs> well the his <laughs> army starts firing all the citizens in the city gohan rushes off to try and help out uh and it seems like he starts off pretty strong i mean he's taking him out but we run into that exact thing that you and i have talked about where like at what point in time do powerful people get overpowered by the many and that doesn't happen to gohan quick but it does happen here he does get overpowered because there are just so many people but while he's fighting off this army lord slug is watching and he notices the dragon ball and that is like the thing that lord slug needed 
Uh, even Chi-Chi like, gets in on these fights, and I think she takes out a couple of people, but then gets like one-shotted pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, and this is the, I think it's the only time in any of the movies that we'll see her fight besides that one time that she squared off against Ginger in Dead Zone, the first DBZ movie. Dude, would you call that a fight? I mean, Ginger just took her out. She attempt. She made an attempt. Yeah. She was he, she had she presented herself as an aggressor, and I don't think we're going to see that again in movies. No, I don't even know that she's going to show up in any of the other movies. Yeah, I thought it was funny too. Lord Slug. So Gohan has to rescue Chi Chi after she gets uh, okayed, basically, and he grabs her and jumps out of the way of some beams. And while he's jumping away, his hat falls off. Lord Slug picks it up because the Dragon Ball, the Four Star Ball, is attached to it, and he struggles to remove the Dragon Ball from his hat. Now it's like this isn't the best way to try to tell me that this is a strong character. That he's basically he's <laughs> yeah he's he, he's doing the equivalent of having a hard time pulling a button off of a shirt, and he like struggles how, with it for a minute. <laughs> how do you think that Dragon Ball stays on Gohan's hat? Because you can't, I, don't, I mean, you, surely you can't sew into a Dragon Ball. No, I mean, it has to be, I've always thought like that it glue? has to be some kind of glue, but still, this is a freaking super mega strong being, like, it should have been child's play for him to remove this ball, it doesn't matter how it's affixed oh, to that hat. You know, if we made fake products, I'd want to make something called Guru Glue. <laughs> okay. I think that would be awesome. <laughs> is it made of Guru, or does Guru just like, is he just the, the mascot? That's does the he question. sponsor the glue? That's the that secret is the, ingredient. <laughs> it's like Soylent Green. <laughs> yeah. uh, that is the question. Um, so he, he struggles to remove the Dragon Ball from Gohan's gat, uh, hat. Bulma starts running her damn mouth like she always does. Um, She's using she holds, Oolong as a meat shield. Yeah, as a shield. That's what I have for my next thing, too. And she feels free to do so, like always, because she just assumes Goku is stronger and will win. Like, that is what gives Bulma the kind of audacity that she always displays. Um, but the the aliens basically explain to them, this is some of the lieutenants, um, basically explain that they're going to tear freeze the Earth and convert it into their own personal star cruiser. Again, there's no explanation as to why they need or feel like changing planets. Um, and Lord Slug asks Bulma if she knows where to find any more of these Dragon Balls. He explains that he's nomadic and he's been to Namek before even. Uh, and again, she just keeps running her mouth. So she says it'll take you a lifetime to find the rest of them without a radar. So then he pulls her near, reads her mind, figures all this stuff out, even figures out that she has the uh, radar on her and takes it from her. Yeah, and this is when he sees Shinron and them making a wish to restore the forest from the last movie. I do have a question here for you. Why did they not just kill Bulma? We literally just saw them killing other people and she walks up, runs her mouth. It makes most sense to me that they just fire a key blast right at her. Just take her out. I agree. I, I mean, would also uh, maybe controversially suggest that the civilians had it coming because the aliens totally said, y'all need to get up out of here or we will open fire. Fair. And then they did they did warn them because <laughs> Bulma's not really resisting. She's just like, hey, why? Yeah. Yeah. She's just, I guess, is being inquisitive, but aggressively so because she thinks that her friend can beat them all up. That's what it is. Yeah. It just it seemed funny to me that they didn't just outright just like, all right, get rid of her. <laughs> It would have it's, killed this yeah. movie right here because Lord Slug never would have gotten the radar. He never would have gone to look for the Dragon Balls. Oh, I would. I'm assumed that you were talking about him killing her after he extracted. No, this I mean because he, she's talking to. I think the character's name is Angela or Angela. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Angela takes time to explain their master plan, which is totally a trope, right? But right. it makes more sense that he would have just shot her. <laughs> I mean, yeah. they literally just killed all these other civilians. Just kill her, too. Like, she's nobody at this point. 
This so is true. It makes no sense that they were like, oh, this random blue-headed lady, let's tell her our master plan and keep her alive. <laughs> I guess I've always thought that like villains telling somebody their plan is kind of like a weird flex because they're like, I mean, it, I, I think we heard like verbatim Bulma say this exact thing in Sleeping Princess and Devil's Castle where she's just like, why not tell me? I can't do anything to stop you, you know? And so from the villain's end, it's like, yeah, I'll tell you because what the hell are you going to do to stop us from doing it? You know? That's true. Um, That's true. It's just, it's, it's kind of like a weird boast, but Lord Slug tosses the radar to his lieutenants and he tells them they have an hour to go get the ball. So there's a montage, which is kind of strange because at one point it seems like people have split up to go and get the balls, but there's only one radar but we're just hand waving this stuff for now. Sure. Um, so we actually does... see like an actual murder in this scene too. I think it's, we uh, do. What, oh, is it Angela? Angela? Yeah. Angela. Yeah. He actually kills somebody. And it's like one of the only times we ever see someone actually kill someone else in a dragon ball thing. It's true. Or at least had knocked him out and just dropped him. Yeah. Like a sack of potatoes. I but, also, uh, Shinron, go ahead. I also have a note here. Where the hell is Goku and Krillin? Like, I know that the planet, I guess, sucked them up or something, but it feels like, they would have recovered by the end of this montage before they're able to get all the dragon balls. I, I, that just felt really strange to me that they're not up and at them already. Well, it's like in, well, in, in the movies thinking Goku and Krillin have been knocked out for maybe an hour because they only had an hour to go and get those dragon balls. Right. But that's a long so, time to be unconscious. I mean, I agree. <laughs> Especially for like the, for Goku and Krillin. <laughs> yeah. But they get sensu beamed. We'll get to that in a second. Um, but Shinron is called. Um, this concerns King Kai and Lord Slug just asks to be young again and never grow old. He wants eternal youth. So, uh, you know, no more pills, I guess. Um, What's funny then, is uh, he actually gets the Dragon Balls again in one of the games and admits like, yeah, I was an idiot for asking for eternal youth and not just immortality. Yeah, that makes way more sense. But I mean, has that really worked out for anybody in Dragon Ball Z so far? I, I think, submit not. <laughs> I think only like two people have actually gotten that wish off. Uh, yeah, it hadn't gone well for no. at least one of them. No, that's true. Another interesting <laughs> thing is, is he probably could have used the Namekian Dragon Balls. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, it depends. Like, again, it, 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 depends, it depends on, on which... Japanese or English translation. That's right, true. Right. right. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, yeah. So his color brightens, his teeth reform into his mouth, his wrinkles are all gone. I thought that this was really well animated, actually. His it is. re-youthification, I'm going to call it. The de-aging. Um, and he is, um, he's wrapped in, like, he's a pretty garish um, villain. He's, like, wrapped in yellow and orange and purples and has some kind of large, like, dome shieldy thing on his chest. Um, but now he's also younger and a lighter green. And he says, I feel incredible. This is, typically we talk about the English when we make quotes, unless I specify otherwise. So he says, I feel incredible. Idiots bow before your new master. And I'm just like, new? Like, um, I mean, maybe renewed, but new doesn't feel like the right word there. Agreed, yeah. Well, he ends up sending like a space probe out into, I say a space probe, it's a terraforming machine out into like right at the atmosphere level. And he just starts spreading this dark mist all over the entire planet. And he tells all of his cronies that it's totally cool for them to take off their gear now. And he says that it's okay for them to breathe. But when I did some like research on this, it sounds or it seemed to me like their crew was sensitive to sunlight, not that the atmosphere wasn't something they could breathe. So I think that might have been a translation thing. It might have been, but I did like in the English where uh, I think it was Metamacha says something like, they're like children, give them some air to breathe and they're happy. And I'm like, yes, actually, <laughs> that's that is something that makes people generally quite happy is that is. they have air to breathe. <laughs> yeah, breathing is nice. So we like to keep doing that, please. Yeah. And then so the temperature all over the earth plummets and even animals start to fall dead all over the place. And my immediate first thought was, 
there goes the spirit bomb's efficacy. Everything is dead. Well, I mean, maybe. But Goku wakes up cold, um, and he's being overseen by Yajirobe, who reveals that he just force-fed Goku a sensu bean. Um, and he says something like, blown up that planet must have really wiped him out. And Goku never corrects him. He doesn't say, yeah, he really took it out of me blowing that planet up with my biggest Kamehameha ever. He he doesn't say, no, nah, really, we just used like a medium-sized Kamehameha, and it really didn't take all that much out of me. I, I thought that it was strange. He's embarrassed. He is. I think that it, I think that he really was. He's yeah. like, well, I can't tell him that it was just that, you know, what we did did essentially nothing. <laughs> and I still ended up knocked out. And Yadrobi has this like funny kind of thing that happens where he saves the day all the time. So I, at some point in time, Goku's got to be like, man, this guy again. <laughs> but Krillin is in the background and he's all messed up. He's awake, though. And he says, like, hey, did you give him a sensu bean? Cause, Cause, like, I want one. I need one. I'm dying too. And Yajirobe's like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> yeah, we cut up over to Chichi, who's inside um, her house at the San residence, and she goes to deliver some hot chicken soup to Gohan. But he has put on his piccolo clothes and flew off with Oolong. Um, it's interesting too, because as she goes to deliver the hot soup to Gohan in the English, she sneezes, and Bulma's like, "Are you okay?" Because you know it's cold outside. But in the Japanese, she winces in pain. Uh, and says, it's okay, it's going to take more than one punch to to really knock me down. So she, like, is referring to that that punch that she received from one of the minions earlier. Oh, that's interesting. That's kind of a, yeah. an interesting take on it, too. Because I don't, I don't know that I really picked up on it being super, super cold, but I guess that makes sense. I mean, they're all, it's, there's snow everywhere. Yeah. You know, Goku wakes up on a sheet of ice that's in the true. tropics, I think is what he says. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Gohan is still the thoughtful little boy that he always is because he's uh, thoughtful enough to fold his clothes before he leaves. And there is an Arale poster on his wall as well. It can't be too thoughtful because he takes Oolong with him. Why would you take Oolong? Yeah, that's true. I feel like the way that Oolong talks in the very next scene is like he, he tagged along and then realized that he had made a huge mistake. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, that makes more sense than Gohan being like, hey, Oolong, let's go do stuff. Right. Although they have, in, even in movie canon, been pretty buddy-buddy on some very sneaky adventures together. That's true. Even to cold places. So. I think that's Oolong taking advantage of Gohan for sure, though. Oh, yeah. He needs some protection, man. Right. Well, they're checking out the military. They're trying to figure out what this alien group is doing and, and like what they are there for, I guess. And they're pretty much immediately spotted and they just start attacking. The big fight breaks out and Gohan's able to take out a bunch of them. But I mean, it's just there's so many there that he finally just gets ganged up on and he's hit by a bunch of uh, key blasts, takes him out. But Piccolo shows up to save the day, just like he Not normally a bunch. does. Not a bunch. Two. Two. Two, Two hit him. Two Only two? Blasts. I swear, when I watch that, I even have in my notes, like, he's getting hit by a barrage of key blasts. No, they, now they shot a bunch at him, but only two actually hit him. So he's like a glass cannon, man. There's, he's surrounded by one hit KO minions and he's only slightly <laughs> better than them. That's funny. Yeah, I guess at this point he probably is a bit of a glass cannon because we know that he's got like his anger issues that flares him up, but he has been up to this point knocked out pretty easily. It's true. I, before you get into Piccolo stuff too, two things. One, I just have in my notes that during this scene, for some reason, they cut to Lord Slug, and I just have uh, in my notes that he's inside practicing for his troops' next rave because he just creates a couple of key balls and it's just like dancing them around the room, not exploding anything. He's just like, look at my cool lights. Yeah. Um, I, I had in my notes that he's just reveling in youth. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. Um, but Piccolo does show up, and he says the fight is just about to begin, and this is a good place to introduce, by name, 
our cronies, the lieutenants, the horny boys, as I call them. So we've talked about Angela before, who's kind of like Zarbon, just kind of like a pretty bo- a pretty boy. Um, he is voiced by John Bergmeier, um, who we've covered before is TN, typically. There's a guy in the English whose name is Wings, although they never call him that. In the Japanese, his name is Dorodabo. That becomes significant in just a second. He is voiced by Chris Rager, a.k.a. Hercule. Um, and then we have Metamacha, who is voiced by Kent Williams, who is Mr. Compress, um, several of the Kais, Dr. Giroux, Janimba. Uh, and we talked about Commander Ziyun, um, who's voiced by Brad Jackson, who's typically Oolong. And uh, all these guys are named after the Andromeda Galaxy. And here's how. Anne Gila. And then you have Doro da, uh, Dabo. So you have Andoro. And then you have Meta Macha. So now you have Andoro Meta. And then uh, Ziyun is apparently very close to uh, the Japanese word for galaxy. That's how it's Andromeda Galaxy. That's dumb. I agree. <laughs> no, that's so dumb. Like, I kept looking online and people were saying that all of their names were based off of different, you know, Andromeda Galaxy meanings, but none of them had the definition of why. But you say that, I'm like, ah, oh, that's kind of silly. Yeah, I was Googling things like uh, Andromeda Galaxy Anguilla and Andorda, you know, Andromeda Galaxy Meta or Meta Matcha and was finding nothing. And I finally found some some place where somebody was like, it's the beginning of each of their names. That's it. That's silly. I did find that Gyosha and Kakuja, the two um, aliens from the beginning that are kind of doing the terraforming, I suppose, they uh, their names are the Japanese words for professor and scholar, which I thought was pretty oh. uh, relevant. That's nice. I did not catch that, but that is pretty cool. Um, the orange flying guy wings or... Uh, uh, Dorodabo um, says that he's going to take on Piccolo and he leaves Gohan to Metamacha. Uh, pretty boy, the Angula, just says, just be happy I'm letting you fight, which implicitly lets us know that he's the strongest. We'll see how well that works out for him. You know, as I the didn't movie think plays that Metamacha was considered the strongest. I figured Angula was. Yeah, that's who I'm saying. Angula by saying, oh, I guess, gotcha, I'll, gotcha. you know, I, I, I'm just happy to be letting you guys fight is him saying, I could do this by myself. Like, he's the strong one. Right, right. Well, as Wings is taking on Piccolo, I mean, Piccolo takes him out, like, really easily. And Wings is just like, hey, this isn't fair. I didn't know you were this strong. Which seems kind of like an odd comment to make. If you show up on a planet and someone's kicking your butt, it seems like maybe you shouldn't just admit that you didn't realize that there might be strong people there. <laughs> uh, but Metamacha, while they're fighting, is taking on Gohan, and he's shooting off endless key blasts, it seems like. And he actually says, like, wow, congratulations for sa- or surviving this, because nobody survives round two. And he emits, like, a bunch of mini versions of himself, and they just start sucking Gohan's energy out. It's pretty crazy. Mini naked versions yeah, of himself right because metamacha has some pants on these little things that sprout out of him like you know like a mogwai that gets wet they are not clothed <laughs> but yeah they latch on to gohan and begin to glow and so you would think that it's like a self-destruct thing but metamacha explains that they're actually absorbing his energy although it was never made clear to me that if he absorbed the energy that they absorbed when he absorbed them kind of like maggot from the x-men who had like a these two bugs that were like an external digestive system that they would leave his body eat. And then when they reentered his body, he would gain the energy that they had ingested. I don't know that metamachas work like that. There wasn't any indication that it did. So I think he's just draining people and that's all that the little metas do. Yeah. I think I have to agree with you there. Like I, I don't think that he reabsorbs that energy. Like I don't think it's like a power up for him at all. It's just a, right. Let's drain this other guy. Uh, did the Cybermen have something kind of like that? 
I don't think I they don't had. I think so. They just had self destruct. Yeah, that's what yeah. it is. They just had self destruct. Well, uh, I called him the orange guy in my notes, but Doradabo or Wings is thinking about ambushing Piccolo. He like, and I don't really understand the thought process here. He walks into this building like he's just going to wait for Piccolo in the basement, but then Piccolo just flies through the ceiling and is like, "Gotcha." And ca- totally catches him off guard. He even stops and he asks Piccolo to join them and says, it depends on the version. In the Japanese version, he actually says, hey, you're one of my demon clansmen. Like, why don't you just come and join me and, and join Lord Slug and we'll go on and be together. Uh, and it, Piccolo kind of seems like he's going to take him up on this offer. He stops like to grab his hands, to almost to shake his hands and then just wrecks him. Uh, but Decapitates it, him with a beam. Yeah. I had some interesting stuff here, though, because I think you guys have heard me say before that King Piccolo was considered a demon, and along with Piccolo, before Dragon Ball Z revealed that they were actually Namekians. And I I thought that was kind of a thing that, like, maybe they just decided to rewrite it. Uh, But in Xenoverse 2, which I know maybe is not considered canon by everyone, I just thought there was an interesting thing that was noted. Both Elder Kai and Lord Slug confirmed that Slug's clan is actually made up of what they considered Namekian demons. So Piccolo could still be a demon. He could be part of Slug's clan. We, we don't really know, but it's just interesting that they themselves on that planet were considered demons. Therefore, here they would be too. That's interesting. I, yeah, I, like I like I've said on this podcast before, I didn't finish all of Dragon Ball, so I knew of you know generally some of the demons speak. Uh, but I've always thought of Piccolo as a Namekian because, I mean, I, I understand that early on in Z when he hears of Namek and that he's a Namekian, it seems revelatory to him. But I thought that it was just because he was born on Earth and didn't have a good relationship with his daddy. Like, that made sense. Sure. Yeah. Well, and it kind of goes back to they rewrite King Kai's position on Earth because they basically say that Namek was ending and they decided to send off a whole bunch of different Namekians to these different planets. And he became the nameless Namekian on Earth, which then turned into him like exuding all of his evilness, which brought along King Piccolo. Right. Um, but... It sounds like maybe Slug was one of those babies, too. We're not really quite sure. Uh, it depends. Yeah, it depends on if you're listening to the sub or or the dub. All right, so Angula uh, sees this, sees uh, wings get blown up, and he knows he's got to step in. Gohan's down for the count. He doesn't have any energy left. And Piccolo tries to come to him, and Angula's hands spring up out of the ground and arrest his progress. He still manages to fly towards Gohan, yanking Angula out of the ground with him, and he just I-beams him off. This movie has so many I-beams and a couple of good mouth beams, and all of them are amazing. My hands are up in the air. I know that this is, this is an audio podcast, but I love I love a good mouth beam especially. Um, but he does manage to get uh, in front of Gohan before Metamacha um, ends up blasting him. And then Angula and Metamacha blast at both of them, and they blow that spot all to hell. And so when the dust clears, Piccolo is successful, but he's all jacked up now too. Um, and Metamacha goes, for, uh, goes in for a killing blow, but he is sniped off by Goku and Krillin. Yeah, and Goku, like, checks on them kind of like he walks over and gohan's laying there and and gohan's like i love you dad and goku just says i know <laughs> so, he just han soloed his own son <laughs> i know it's so funny uh and, and so he turns around and he warns the aliens like hey you guys have got one last chance to leave before i kick your butts uh and of course they attack him and he dodges obviously like he's able to grab metamacha and flings him into the ship uh, Lord Slug is like overwatching this entire fight at this point now. Uh, so Angela grabs onto Goku while Metamacha comes back in and he's trying his replication move again uh, to try and drain Goku of his energy. But Goku just punches him like and then powers up, destroying all the little clones. So 
he's taken out fairly easily. And then he reflects a key blast back into Anguilla's mouth and takes him out. It was such a cool way to take out that character. It was a Zelda boss tactic, man. Like oh, I've yeah. done that in so many Zelda games where they fire a beam at you and you have to swat it back until it eventually strikes them. Goku just got it in one because he's 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 the goat, I guess. But yeah, okay, so let's take Tally so far. Commander Ziyun, one shot by Lord Slug, right? Wings, okay. one shot by Piccolo, technically. I mean, like, Piccolo squashed his hand and broke his arm first, but really it was just one key blast that did him in. Then you have Metamancha, one punched by Goku. And now you have uh, Angula, who also is one shot by his own mouth beam that he ends up choking on, basically. So yeah. all of the lieutenants and every single minion in this movie go down in one punch. How thrilling is that for fight for a fighting anime everything goes down in one well i mean it's better than when turles's crew fought the z fighters and we didn't see it yeah i get yeah i guess that's true <laughs> right? i don't know i'd have to think about that i mean in that movie we literally just cut to them being dead like they were just yeah, like hey we, we killed to, your yeah, friends we got to see the little a little bit of each of those fights i guess but yeah you're not wrong and this is something that that is definitely something that they would have done differently if if they had treated Turles as an actual saga and not like the movie, but split up into three parts. I think we would have seen more of those fights for sure. That's true. Well, Lord Slug comes out of his spaceship and uh, Goku can like tell that he's dangerous. And it's funny because he's kind of sizing him up and Krillin's just like, hi ho, let's go. And gets kicked off into the distance. <laughs> I think in the English version, he says, why does this always happen to me? As he's in like, the Japanese, he says, why does this always happen to me? In English, you just hear him yell, he's all yours, Goku. Yeah. As he like, <laughs> you know, disappear, like uh, does the Doppler effect off into the distance. Right, right. And it's funny because Goku definitely has this look on his face. I felt like where he was just like, what the hell, man? Like, why can't you just wait for a second? Give me a second. Let me tell you what's happening first. Yeah, Goku proves slower than Slug. He's unable to keep up in a chase and overpowered in hand-to-hand combat. Uh, and Slug explains, like, if you had come at me yesterday, you might have had a chance. But thanks to the Dragon Balls, you're fighting Lord Slug in his, pl- in his prime. And so he's just kicking Goku's butt all up and down this place. Uh, and Goku has this inner monologue at one point where he's like, well, what now? None of my techniques are working on this guy. And my notes just say, you've been fighting for 60 seconds and I can list like five techniques you haven't even tried yet. Right. <laughs> and he's already given up. Yeah, he, he punches Slug in the face and then gets totally knocked out because it doesn't hurt Slug at all. And Slug actually grabs him and, and it, not only is he beating him up, he like puts his head through a building. <laughs> One of the craziest looking scenes in this whole movie is just Goku's head like on the other side of a building and then Lord Slug ripping him back through. It was pretty violent. I actually really liked that shot. Yeah. <laughs> I did too. It was pretty neat. Uh, so Goku feels like he can't give up. Everyone's counting on him. Uh, he asks everyone for their energy again because apparently he's telepathic. The only thing I can think of here is that maybe King Kai is like plugging him into everyone's brains because King Kai actually responds and is just like, bro, they're tapped out. Yeah. They have nothing. Okay. <laughs> so at this point, I can agree with that. Prior movies, it doesn't I don't make think sense. worked out quite like yeah, that. Unless yeah. Piccolo was somehow doing it because he kind of randomly has weird powers that aren't really explained. Right. I will say this too, that like in my notes, I have that he's beaten the slug is beating the crap out of Goku. And then I said in one punch slug rips Goku's shirt off. And in my notes, I just have big mistake because you know, when Goku's shirt comes off, things are about to get real. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, That's, that's when he starts asking for the energy. King guy says they've got nothing left, which is just a freaking lie because later on in the movie, Piccolo gives a bunch of energy to Goku. So like, why? Well, I don't understand that line in this movie. Maybe King guy can't, I, I, yeah, I don't have anything for you. That's a good point. I hadn't <laughs> thought of. 
But Slug goes in for this one last punch, um, and his hand is caught by a steaming-looking Goku. Uh, the whites of his eyes are all that you see. Pupils are gone. He's blazing in this yellow aura, and this is where this, like, pseudo-slash-fake Super Saiyan thing comes in. Um, he ends up breaking Slug's hand and then easily gains the upper hand. Like, he goes from just having the absolute trash kicked out of him to the roles being a hundred percent reversed. Oh yeah. He's wrecking face for sure. And even King Kai recognizes it and is like, Oh wow. Goku's changed. I've never seen this happen before. He must be a super Saiyan. Womp yeah, womp. It's not, not really super yeah. Saiyan. Uh, <laughs> but Go- Goku also does the slowest beam volley I've ever seen. Like his arms are moving like super slow when he's doing it. Like normally when you see Vegeta do it, his hands are blurs and there's like 50 beams and Goku's just like, ha, Ha, like a second between each little chunk. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, what even is this? Doesn't even look good. Yeah, Goku actually ends up like pulling one of uh, Lord Slug's arms off and then it just regrows immediately. And uh, Goku seems to power down. Like, I don't know if it was just devastating seeing his arm grow back, which he's seen before. Like, this has happened to him and Piccolo. I don't know why this would have interrupted him so much, but he pretty much loses the Super Saiyan aura, the whole nine yards. Um, and, you know, this is probably a good point in time to talk about there's a, and I actually tweeted it. I tagged Almighty Pod. So if you go look at Almighty Pod on Twitter, you'll see it. Uh, someone had translated the movie pamphlet that came out with this where they say that Lord Slug is stronger than Frieza. And they also mentioned that Goku goes Kaioken times 100. However, he doesn't say anything like that in the movie. And that totally doesn't really make any sense. So we're just going to ignore that. Uh, but he is yeah. super, super powerful here. Yeah, there's no way it's Kaioken times 100. Neither the English nor the Japanese puts a multiplier on it at all for one. And even if it were, 100 is ridiculous because even to date, like in Super, um, uh, like including all things Super, the highest multiplier Goku has ever tried is times 20. And that was against Frieza, which if this movie takes place when we think that it does, maybe it would be reasonable that this is a times 20 Kame- or, uh, Kaioken. Like, I could maybe buy that, sure. but 100, totally out of the realm of possibility yeah, for this time. I agree. I think you said something earlier, like, at Kaioken, just base Kaioken, it's like ripping his body apart. So times 100, I could just explode, turn into like a splat of blood on everything or something. Yeah, it would be like Midoriya getting all for one, all at once. All at or, once, uh, yeah. One for all, all at once, yeah. yeah. Well, this is the the huge twist, I guess you could say, in the movie, because Slug takes his headgear off, and it turns out he's Namekian. And not only is he Namekian, but he's a super Namekian. Yeah, and we get two different explanations, depending on whether you're listening to the English or reading uh, the the subtitles. In English, it's explained that he was uh, he lived on Namek. He discovered this higher consciousness, which is very Zen and Buddhist, um, which I think Buddhism is the religion that I think you see on display more than any other in Dragon Ball Z, but that's a discussion for another day. Um, but he's ends up banished from Namek by Namekians who use those Dragon Balls. So earlier you had mentioned he could have just gone to Namek to use those Dragon Balls. I would say if the wish banished him from that planet, then no. But if the other story is true, the Japanese version where he was sent away from Namek as a baby and he landed on a planet named Slug and then is this weird Namekian mutation that is 100% evil, then I think, yes, he could have gone back to Namek and used their Dragon Balls. Absolutely. But yeah. he would have been maybe too young to know what... I don't know. He recognizes them, so I well, don't know. Yeah, and it, you have to ask the question, like, does he speak Namekian, which we don't know. If he did speak Namekian, then it's totally feasible that he could have just used the Dragon Balls there. Um, but I don't know. I think it's interesting. I, I wonder why they decided to change that story. That seems like an odd thing to change. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was because it was too similar to Kami's and didn't put enough mysticism on what a supernamic was. It just turns it into this weird genetic mutation thing. Maybe, yeah. But That's I mean, it makes, my best off-the-cuff guess. It makes sense, though, that like if Kami was sent off Namek, kind of like a Superman, because the planet was going to explode or whatever, which doesn't make sense because Namek's totally fine when they go to it later, but whatever. If that was the case, then they surely sent other babies, too. I mean, it just yeah. seems like that would have been fine. Uh, but, you know, I did do some research on uh, Super Namekians because apparently Piccolo is considered a Super Nam- uh Apparently Piccolo is considered a Super Namek after he fuses with Nail and Kami. And there are also several other Super Namekians. They existed in Universe 6. Uh, Soanel and Polina, I think are the, their names. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so they're considered Super Namekians as well because they have fused with, like, all of the other Namekians. Uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting oh. that I couldn't find a real definition where someone said, like, yes, fusing makes you a super Namekian. But the only thing I could find was that when it's revealed that Piccolo is powered up after fusing with Nail and, and Kami later on, Krillin is like, ah, oh, that must make you a super Namekian. And so to me, yeah. that's canon. Yeah. And and it's derivative, but yeah, I, I get I get that that's where that would have come from. But here, Lord Slug, after whichever version of his origin story you subscribe to, he goes giant sized, like giant ape sized, uh, which is a thing that some we've seen before. Like you had mentioned that he's closely paralleled to the Demon King Piccolo, who also grows several times his size, I, I believe, in Dragon Ball. Absolutely. Um, and Lord Slug's like, you're one of the few people who have seen my true form and Goku's like, I don't want to hurt you. But then he goes and hides. <laughs> yeah, This was a weird one. Yeah. I don't know why all of a sudden like he's revealed that he is from Namek or that he's Namekian. And then Goku's just like, Hey, let's not fight. And I don't think it's Goku being intimidated. It was just like, Oh, you look like Piccolo. I don't want to fight a Piccolo. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. Cause I feel like he was already outclassed um, prior to whatever this little pseudo transformation that he had, but he doesn't have that anymore. And Lord Slug's power has only gotten greater, but that, that makes even less sense of this scene because he's he's trying to hide from Lord Slug, and Lord Slug is successfully hiding from Goku, and I'm like, dude, you could sense his power earlier. How is he <laughs> evading you? That makes no sense. Um, but eventually, after some cat and mouse games, Slug face uh, erupts from the ground beneath Goku, and Goku tries to get a Kamehameha off, but he just gets mouth beamed instead, and I loved it. I gotta ask you, do you think mouth beams taste like something? I hope not, or or maybe I hope that you have some control over what they taste like. Like, it would suck if they tasted like singed flesh. I mean, know? that's what I would assume. They've got to taste like maybe, I don't know. that It was just something I thought about in this movie when, whenever I saw multiple, because it happens a lot in this compared to the other movies. It's like, I yeah, wonder yeah. if they taste something when that happens. Uh, Mouth beams are the best. Yeah. That needs to be another shirt for us. Uh, that should be, yeah. Along with Guru Glue. I need that. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Goku runs up Slug's arms, which is a really cool like scene, really, I think. Uh, but he key blasts him in the face, and then Slug just catches him and starts crushing Goku, which we've seen before. This happened with uh, Turles as well. Like, Well, not with Turles, but yeah. with Gohan. Gohan had him. had him. So this is a pretty common theme. We see Goku getting crushed by really big things. Um, and out of nowhere, like Piccolo shows back up, even though apparently he had no energy. He grabs... Lord Slug's antennae, and it's just like, hey, this must really suck for you because it sucks for me. And so Slug throws Goku and grabs Piccolo instead. Piccolo rips his ears off, and it's just like, hey, go on. You remember what you were doing earlier? Which I had to be like, how could he forget? It was two hours ago. <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I think uh, like I think more time than that has passed. 
But what what doesn't make any sense is why he's being so vague. Like in the Japanese, he just says, Gohan, start whistling, which is what, like, that's fine. Right. Say that in the English version, too. It makes total sense. Just start whistling. Apparently, which tells me two things, um, or it tells me this one thing. Apparently, Piccolo cannot whistle, because I think that if he could, he would have just been able to do so himself. I would think that it's not something that even if they could do, or if he knew how to do, he wouldn't do it, because it would have hurt him as well. So maybe he never practiced it. Like, he tried it once, and then was like, ah, oh, no, that hurts my ears. I'll never do that again. Uh, but that's another thing, too, is he rips off his ears, but his internals are still there. Yeah, but without like the, the, like, actual out external ear parts, your hearing goes down significantly. Yeah, I would think that it's diminished, but I don't know. Like, he hears people talking at regular volume later. And so, like, if this whistle is as devastating as he makes it seem like it is, I feel like he would still be in some pretty crazy pain. Plus, on top of that, why doesn't freaking Lord Slug take a note from Piccolo? And as soon as the whistling starts being like, oh, man, this guy has a good idea and rip his own freaking ears off. That's a good point. And, you know, what's really funny to me is the way that Piccolo describes the size of Lord Slug's ears, because he's like, oh, yeah. Super Domekians have ears the size of trash can lids. <laughs> I think of, that was King was Kai, King because Kai? King, King Kai cuts into Kai Splain all over again. Oh, he yeah, does that a lot yeah. in these movies. I, I hate it when they have King Kai explain what just happened. I don't, no one needs that. No one at all needs that. But it just, Kai Splaining. It seems so funny to me, the idea that like that's a unit of measurement in his mind. Yeah. Piccolo is asking Goku to reach out and touch hands, and again... Makes no freaking sense. Earlier in the same exact movie, we see Lord Slug do the demon's hand thing where they got stretchy arms because they're Namekians. Why doesn't Goku, why doesn't Piccolo just do that to touch Goku's hand? I had the this same whole thought. Time? Yeah, like we know oh, that's gosh, a thing it was that Piccolo driving me can do. Nuts. So, I was like, you just saw your big cousin do this freaking <laughs> stretchy arm thing. You, you've done this before. Do the stretchy arm thing. Why is he making it seem like, oh, no, if, if Lord Slug keeps me away from Goku, we, the Earth is doomed. Stretch your arms out, dude. Maybe, maybe when he uses the stretchy arm thing, it would have taken up all of the energy he had left over. I don't, I don't buy it. No, I don't, I don't like that I don't either. think that's right. <laughs> well, he finally does touch Goku's hand, I guess, long enough to transfer the rest of his power over. Goku wakes up and he's like, I know what to do. And Slug is dancing around. He's all pissed off about this noise, this whistling. And he just starts wrecking the city. He's sending key blasts all over the place. In fact, I think he actually kills uh, his, his like last teammate, Kakuja, here because he like key blasts the ship and Kakuja's seen like falling in the background in it. Yeah. So yeah, uh, he, he accidentally kills his last teammate. Goku goes Kaioken. And I just have in my notes, Oh look, a technique he hadn't tried uh, earlier <laughs> before saying that he had tried every damn thing. Um, but it present in the Kaioken aura is Goku, uh, like, uh, like a, like a, a mirror image or fractal image, a ghostly image. Um, like the opa the opacity has been turned down on images of Goku and Piccolo and they're in this aura. And I have a card in Doc and Battle that is this, this, this unit from this particular scene. It's pretty cool. Um, the unawakened form is called Kaioken of Friendship. And I'm making my hands into a little heart. Um, it's great for an audio podcast. And then if you awaken it, it's called Fusion of the Dynamic Duo, which is also kind of cool. That is pretty cool. Um, I actually looked up uh, Lord Slug has a card in the current uh, TCG for Super. You can buy it for like 75 cents. No, I haven't seen one. Yeah, I thought that was kind of... I have a bunch of Turlis stuff right now. The newest thing is like Saiyan Showdown, I believe, um, or Showcase, one of those two. And it's a bunch of Tree of Might stuff. Oh, that's cool. 
Um, but yeah, Go- Goku does Kaioken and he does the Sun Goku through the chest maneuver um, on another Namekian, as you had pointed out. And so he's like, okay, we did it. Let's go take care of the clouds. But then the demon arm grapple hook uh, Lord Slug out of the rubble back up to Goku. Apparently he gets blasted off in the clouds. Um, and then Goku turns into Superman for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I have in my notes. Yeah, he looks up at the sun and is just like, ah, my friend, I can always rely on you. And then uses some of the sun's energy to fire a spirit bomb at Slug. I gotta say, I don't like the way the spirit bombs look in these movies. I've just decided that I think they look crappy. Because in the show, when he uses the spirit bomb, they're like freaking huge. Like, it's a not big deal. Always. Not always. Not but- until, not until specifically the first big one that he uses is against Frieza on Namek. Yeah, that's true. Okay, all right, I'll give you that. Because I guess up to this point, they really have been kind of smaller... But it's at least mm-hmm. like formed like a ball, whereas in the movies, his hand just kind of lights up and like he throws this thing. It's not really like a spirit ball, I don't feel like, but that's neither here well, nor there. Yeah, in this one, we, we actually see a ball. I think in World's Strongest, we don't see a ball, and I can't remember if we see a ball in Tree of Might. I don't think Might. we saw one in Tree of Might. I don't remember that. Yeah. Uh, but this ends basically the same way that Tree of Might ends, because he slings this spirit ball right into Slug, who then gets flung into this terraforming machine, and it blows up, assumingly also blowing up Lord Slug, which is basically how Turles went out. I mean, he also got flung into his machine that was wrecking the world, so... Yeah, and, and it's weird because just like in Tree of Might, when the bad guy dies and the big earth-destroying thingamabob doohickey is blown up too, then all of the destruction that it wrought just dissipates in like the span of 10 seconds. Scientists like, there were have clouds. To be, yeah. Scientists have to be <laughs> yeah. so confused in this, this world because it consistently yeah. happens where like once a year, the world just goes to shit and then immediately is fine about a couple hours later. Right. And not even thanks to Dragon Balls. Again, if 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 things cleared up that quickly because somebody wished it away, that I buy. That makes Dragon Ball logic. But the rest of this stuff is just like, oh, the machine is broken. So all of these clouds that we had, you know, filled the entire Earth's atmosphere with, they just dissipate because we unplugged it. Yeah. That's basically what it turns into. (laughs) Pretty much. And we, we hear King Kai talking about how, like, Goku doesn't have to be the strongest to win. And then he says, uh, you know, he might be a Super Saiyan. I, I feel like he also says something else here, depending on which version you watch. But it's just another ending of a movie where, like, Yajirobe shows up. And it's funny because he's talking about having to have saved everybody once again. And then Piccolo actually, like, reaches up and grabs his leg. And at first, everyone freaks out. They think it's Lord Slug. But it's just Piccolo. And he's begging for a Sensu Bean at this point. He gets one, pops up, and grows his ears back. Everyone laughs. And pretty much roll credits like we switch over to roshi who is just asleep still he wakes up and he's like oh if only something exciting would happen around here yeah and then i did like too that uh during the credits goku has his driver's license that filler arc thing he's like there you know yeah yeah (laughs) yeah he's driving around uh and then we also are treated to a bunch of shots of rebuilt cities so like how quickly are they able to just reassemble the world? Because pretty much all of it was wrecked when that other planet came into orbit. But I like to anyway, think that like, um, if Goku had been smarter, he would own a construction company. Yeah, well, yeah, you ain't wrong. Well, he, although he is notorious for being like, let's take this out to the mountains where there aren't people and things that can break. You know, <laughs> he is, but he's also very aware that because of him, more often than not, cities get wrecked. I'm just saying, yeah, he could in make the very bank. least. Yeah, in the very least, he should be investing in them. Absolutely. I don't know that I would put him in charge, but yeah, he should be like buying in uh, stocks in some some you know whatever the uh, uh, what is the name of, of is it damage control in the Marvel universe? Um, oh, I don't that remember. That is 
they, they clean up after super fights, basically. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what it's called. That sounds right. So let's talk about how this movie might have been different if it were a saga instead of the series. I just have three quick points, and then we'll move on to the Raddit scale and Holler Minutes and anything else that you would like to add before we wrap this up. Um, I would say, number one, I'm not sure that they would have allowed the whistle thing to work at all. No, no way. <laughs> like, that seems really weird. They don't even allow uh, Icarus in the show. There's no way they're giving him yeah. a, a dancing, whistling scene. Yeah, so I think the whistle thing gets cut or or at least reframed significantly somehow. Um, I think that more of the Z fighters would have been involved, which is something you and I are always talking about with these movies. Um, Z, uh, Resurrection F does it extremely well. It doesn't make any sense to me that Yamcha Tien aren't also there when the alien spaceship lands. Yeah, like, like a total, another opportunity for Yamcha to die. It totally makes sense that he would right, have been there. Right, right. <laughs> if he was even alive during this That's time, true. I think he was. He should have been. Yeah. No, actually, um, well, I it also, depends, because if you're going by the TV show canon, they're all dead, because they're up with uh, King Kai, but they weren't with oh, King Kai in the movie, so I don't know. Yeah. Where yeah, is, I don't know. I would say um, Tien and, and Chaozu are the ones that I would expect more to be there, because they're at least... I don't want to say guardians of the earth, but they're at least capable of guarding the earth in comparison to Yamcha. Yeah. It, I mean, it depends on when this movie takes place because like uh, they get wished back at some point. No, they're still up there when the Ginyu force dies. Well, and not only that, but like so. they were in the last movie with Turles. Yeah. Yeah. It, oh yeah. Like in movie timeline for sure. They should have been yeah. there hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and then I, the last thing that I wrote is I think that they would have made a bigger deal of the Namekian reveal if it were a show. It feels like, like it. It, it. There would have been more to it than just Goku being like, oh, you look like Piccolo. And then that basically being all that it is. I feel like there would have been more to it than that. Well, and it's kind of weird because Namek's talked about a whole lot in this movie, but no one of the main characters really like confirms that they've been dynamic. Like, when it's mentioned right. to Bulma, she doesn't react like, oh, yeah, we were there last week. But she also right. doesn't react like, what the hell's an Amic? So, I don't know. I just It seems weird that it's brought up as much as it is, but it's not confirmed that they've actually been there. Do you have anything else that you think would be different if it were a saga? Ooh, if it was a saga, I feel like uh, the minions wouldn't have been one-hit kills. Like, they would have been closer oh, yeah, to Zarbon and uh, Dodoria. Like, they would have been Dodoria. several fights. It would have. They probably would have had some transformations. Um, I did read... Oh, man. Yeah. I thought Angela was totally going to transform... He should have. At one point. I thought so, too. Like, he, he threw his arms up in the air like he was getting ready to change or power up or something, and all he ended up doing was sticking his hands in the ground again. So I, I thought for sure that there was a transformation coming. So, yeah, you're right. They, they wouldn't have just been base-level baddies yeah. this movie. Another thing that I thought was really interesting, I, I read online, and this seemed more like a fan theory than anything canonical for this movie, but it kind of ties back into the idea that Slug's clansmen being some kind of, like, demons in that world. Uh, the idea that, like, Anguilla and Metamacha and Wings, they actually are Namekians. They're just mutated demon Namekians, which I thought was kind of yeah, interesting. I don't like but I, I don't I don't like it. But it's interesting, but I don't like it. It's It's like... They can exist on their own. They don't have to also be Namekians. Yeah, well, and they were also sensitive to the sun or the atmosphere, one, and Piccolo wasn't, ever. And neither is Lord Slug, um, because Namek yeah. has three yeah, sons. Yeah, he's terraforming the planet for his for his uh, minions, which I thought is kind of caring of Lord Slug. He can't be 100% evil. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's get into the Raditz scale. This one is the most complicated yet. Uh, 
the internet has no consensus on what Lord Slug's power is. Even the movie kind of doesn't because at one point King, the only like measure, we have two measurements, I think, that we have to go by for the Raditz scale to try to figure out where Lord Slug's power is. One is in the Japanese, King Kai says he doesn't think that even Frieza could take on Lord Slug while he's gigantic. Like he gets a big power boost. I think that in Dragon Ball, I don't recall King Demon Piccolo's getting a giant power boost when he got bigger. I think he just got bigger. Um, but apparently there's a big boost that comes with uh, Lord Slug's uh, gigantification. So we have that as some form of Frieza. We don't know which form. Um, I would say based on when this movie came out and where the anime was at least, that we definitely hadn't seen past first form Frieza by then, which would be around a million. Uh, and like... Base form Frieza being 530, first transformation rather, Frieza being at about a million. Um, and then the only other metric that we really have to go by is the idea that in the way that these movies work, the villain of the current movie is going to be stronger than the one from the last, but weaker than the one in the next. And so we can bookend where Slug might be. Um, Adam and I kind of tried to hash some of this stuff out before uh, we started recording. We think that it's fair to place slug somewhere between 530,000 and a million. Um, and that puts him at somewhere between 353 and 666 on the Raditz scale, which is a good jump up from Turles, who was 200 to 400 max, depending on what level Kaioken Goku used in that version, because it differed. It's definitely a, an upgrade for sure, but I don't, I don't think that uh, Lord Slug is going to even be able to compare to the next Dragon Ball Z villain we'll see, which is cooler. Um, you know, but the next movie is not actually a Dragon Ball Z movie. It's a Dragon Ball movie. We're jumping back in time. What? No, we're not. Are we not? I could have sworn the next movie was... Uh... <laughs> no, we're doing uh, Cooler's Revenge first, and then we go to, like, a Taiwanese Jap uh, Dragon Ball movie. Oh, okay. Double Dang. check me on no, that. No, you're right. I think that that's right. You're right. I'm looking at our release schedule right now, and so July 20th, 1991 was Cooler's Revenge. November 1991 was The Magic Begins. There you go. So, uh, yeah, and going back to, yeah, we're gonna about, we're gonna see a huge power jump. I will talk about why I don't think that this is true in our next episode, but an official source for Cooler's Final Form's power level is 470 million, and that is bonkers. There's no way that that's right, and we'll we'll talk about why that is later. Um, well, what did you get for the so, uh, yeah. what did you get for the holler minutes, man? 1.9, which makes this the third most hollerific movie that we've watched so far. It's still behind uh, Dead Zone and World's Strongest, but only barely behind World's Strongest, like by like two or three seconds, I think. I feel like once we get transformations like real transformations because i don't think you consider kaioken a transformation it's a multiplier um once we get like super saiyan i feel like we're gonna have a lot more of that like we're gonna have so much more screaming i i feel like i don't i'm curious to see what numbers come up in cooler yeah well i mean this was the third most hollery movie that we've watched so far which i mean that's nothing to nothing to stick your nose up at uh, but yeah, I think that covers all of our segments. So uh, we just got to rate this bad boy and then we can be outie. So what would you give Lord Slug? I looked up a rating for this on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience score for this movie is 62%, which I feel like is incredibly generous. I rated it a two out of seven. Ooh, okay. So let's see. What's two divided by seven? So you're giving it like a 30. Basically, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think yeah. there's just so much about this movie that like, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I don't really care for. It feels like rehashed Turles just with 
Lord Slug. I mean, they die effectively the same way. They're basically the same character. They're both like space pirates that just want to take over your planet because that's it. I, I, I don't know. There's just so much about it that I'm like, meh. Of all the things Dragon Ball, why this? I gave it a 2.5. There were some things that I did like about it, but for the most part, I was really frustrated with things that either got, either got over Kai-splained Kai or not talked about at all or were just borrowed concepts like you're talking about or just were like without reason not thought of in a moment. Yeah, um, like one of the things that yeah, I really it was frustrating. liked and also hated in the movie is that I think it's near the beginning after maybe we see Lord Slug for the first time, we're treated to this cool panel of like a cave painting with this like really yeah. tall Nam Namekian and like an angel looking character with wings and like these people worshiping this super Namek, you could say, and they don't do anything at all with that. I mean, there could have been yeah. something with that. I mean, why put it there if you're not going to do anything with it? And it looked so cool, too. I think all that that was really there to do was to be like, this guy's old. He's been around before, maybe. Yeah, you know? but um, I felt like... It, there's not even any indication that it's an Earth uh, artifact. No, of no, some not kind. at all. It could have been from anywhere. But there's also no indication it's Lord Slug. It could have just been any other evil Namekian. True. True. So yeah, I uh, two, I gave it a two point five. So we're we're basically in consensus there. This is at the bottom for both of us. Yeah. Um, this is on par with uh, Sleeping Princess and Devil's Castle. We uh, and episode of Bardock, but we don't really talk about that much. <laughs> um, we both like this a little less than we liked Tree of Might as well. And I wonder if that's just because we're watching it second. Like if for whatever reason we had decided to watch Slug first and then watch Tree of Might, if Tree of Might would have been rated lower because it had been rehashed. But I. I don't think yeah, that's, that could be. I don't think it's the case. Uh, I mean, I think that there are just a lot of things they could have done with this movie better. Yeah, yeah. Well, two and two point five is what you get. Next time we have an episode of Kaio Cinema, we're going to be covering Cooler's Revenge. That is a Dragon Ball Z movie. Uh, so hunt it down, give it a watch, tune in, join us in the Discord, follow us on Twitter at Almighty Pod. If you do the latter, if you follow us on Twitter, um, then you can also find us in the Discord because. We thought about that, and we've got a nice pinned tweet all conveniently there and ready for you to click and join. Our Discord's awesome. We have a lot of awesome folks in there. We're always hanging out, talking, all kinds of stuff, really. I mean, between My Hero Academia and even Final Fantasy XIV, our good pal Ness was showing off some really cool uh, Final Fantasy XIV characters that are glamored to look like My Hero characters, which like sparked my Final Fantasy need. So, uh, you know, <laughs> but there's all kinds of cool stuff yeah. in the Discord. So come hang out. Say hi. We like it when people say hi. Yep, drop us an iTunes review if you've got just a free minute um, for Kyo Cinema or for the Almighty Pod, which is our our first podcast together, Adam and I. In that uh, in that particular podcast, we cover all things My Hero Academia. We are currently in lieu of new anime episodes, working our way through Vigilantes, which we absolutely adore. And you should come and listen to us talk about that stuff too. Absolutely. Next Monday, it will be dropping, and we will be covering um, episodes ninety or sorry chapters ninety six and ninety seven of Vigilantes, which were incredible. If if you haven't read them yet you got to check them out read them and then check almighty pod <laughs> sounds good we'll see you either next week or two weeks for more kyo cinema bye